Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Wait, hold the phone, everybody. Hold the phone, everybody, to your battle stations. This is a red alert. This is a red alert. This is the new and latest episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Jordan Hoffman. And, um, you know, when you run the battles, the the flagship of the Federation's uh, armored fleet, uh, science vessel, exploration vessel, whatever you want to call it, the most important thing is to have everybody lined up together. You want to have the engineering crew and the helmsmen and everybody ready to plunge into battle as one. And what happened last week, Brian? Uh, well, I was here ready to record after some big news, but you didn't show up. <laughs> right. The uh, the trailer, the long-awaited trailer of Star Trek Discovery dared to enter space to drop from uh, Space Dock, and um, I was away. Uh, they dared do this without me. <laughs> I was I was out of the country. I was away on business, uh, a planned date. And you know what? You can't just stop for one guy. You know, they say you never leave a man behind. Sometimes you got to do it. I was the red shirt. (laughs) I was the red shirt on this mission. And that's okay, because in the long scheme of things, it's not a big deal. The point is that we had the trailer drop a week ago, and I was away in uh, in France, of all places, if you can believe such a thing, on business. So um, I was unable to scream and yell about it here on this podcast. But luckily, we're here now. So it's time to talk about it and also to talk a little bit about the news that came from it. I don't want to dwell on all those aspects too much. I want to talk more about the specifics of the uh, trailer itself that I'm very excited about. But uh, And what we're going to do is we're going to watch it together. Now, how are we going to watch it together on a podcast? Uh, we're going to go to YouTube and hit play. And I'm going to hit pause. <laughs> well, I'm going to make. I'm gonna wave my arm around like a lunatic. And Brian's going to hit pause, and then we're, well, you can watch it too, and maybe it'll all sync up. And if it doesn't, if you're certainly if you're driving, don't, you know, pull over and whip out your uh, your iPhone or your droid or whatever you use. But first of all, Brian, what do you think of the um, of the of the uh, trailer? It looks good. It looks like it has some decent production value. I mean, uh, it was, it was kind of cool to see some um, out of ship stuff. Like you saw some people in the EVA. Yes. Uh, you, that is the best EVA. A uniform, uniform, uh, uniform. No, no, a protection unit. Yeah, protection like gear. a suit. Yeah, the best EVA extravehicular vehicle. Extravehicular. What does the A stand for in EVA? I have no idea. Extravehicular activity. I guess. Okay, I'll Space take your suit. word. It's the best one that's ever been on Star Trek. Yeah, it looked it looked great. Um, I'm saying it right now. Season three, Foley and Webb had one that looked like a vacuum cleaner, <laughs> and. Um, uh, Star Trek the motion picture had a pretty cool one when Spock had his that's true had his you know meet Hal <laughs> when he's uh, when he sort of um, uh, mind melded with uh, V'ger and they had that 2001 A Space Odyssey kablooey ending and that was a pretty good one and then I got to say my beloved Star Trek First Contact the movie that I love had a really cool scene where they're using their gravity boots and they're walking around on the on the hull and if you remember, Worf has the great line, assimilate this, which is one of the most fun action adventure sequences in all of Star Trek. I will say, despite my love and admiration for that moment, the suits are a little bit, 
they didn't quite have it. They were they were they were the least exciting part of that sequence. The suits are simply fine. They're simply adequate, in my opinion. The suit that we see for 0.003 seconds <laughs> in this trailer, that uh, Corporal or Lieutenant uh, Michael Burnham, played by Soniqua Martin Green, is that actually Corporal Lieutenant? Um, we're going to watch the trailer together. I'm going to be reminded of it. She, uh, her suit looks dynamite. So what happened for me is I was overseas in France when it aired, and I want to. This is going to address another issue, which is I want people once again to calm down a little because they, you know there are a lot of people that are excited. There are a lot of people that are trepidatious about things. They don't want to say I love it because they because maybe they don't because they haven't seen it. It is still a marketing trailer, and those people actually I respect. Because if you go bananas and love something based on the trailer, you don't love the thing. You love the trailer. And then there are some people that say, I hate this. Very few. I hate this because they don't like the trailer. Well, you've only seen the trailer, dummy. If you watch this show and hate it, God bless. But if you hate it before you've seen it, you're an idiot. I've said it. you got to give everything a chance. you got to give everything a chance. And then there are a couple of very few jokers who uh, were trolls on the internet that made big news, which I want to talk about a little bit. Maybe you were lucky enough to not even read about this. But um, the point I'm making is... um, (laughs) What was the point I was making? (laughs) So excited about this. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this one dude. So I was in in France, in the great nation of France. I was there for works at the Cannes Film Festival. It's a lovely place. And the trailer launched, and it was kind of late at night. I'm going to say it was 11 p.m. French time, right? So that makes it six hours plus. So it was 5 p.m. here in New York and even earlier in Los Angeles. And um, the trailer launched in the U.S. And because Star Trek is currently produced by a very large corporate entity with a zillion whistles and bells to it and a million different departments and a lot of interlocking things that make this deal possible in the first place. To get a new Star Trek off the ground is almost impossible. They said you couldn't put a man on the moon until they built the Saturn V (laughs) rocket. But they did it because it took a lot of energy from a lot of different... This is like the legal version of getting a man on the moon is getting Star Trek back on TV or a streaming platform or whatever you want to call it. So as we know, in the United States, it's going to air on CBS All Access. All hail CBS All Access for making this show happen. In Canada, it's going to air on something called Crave Network, which is... Some who the heck knows what goes on in Canada, but they 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 roam around in streetcars. They have free medical care and they use Crave. And in Europe, and I'm assuming Latin America and Russia and other places like that, they're going to have it on Netflix. I don't know what they're going to watch it in China. I don't know if they're going to get to watch it in China. Who knows? But um, those are the big three. Now I was in Europe at the time, and so when it launched in the U.S., the trailer did not launch everywhere simultaneously. I'm building something here. So I had to wait. Do you know how long I had to wait until I got to see the trailer? I don't know. I had to wait 24 minutes. Oh, wow. Maybe 25. Less than 30 is my point. But that was enough to send one guy into spastic oblivion. There's a guy on the (laughs) internet and you can Google it and Google Star Trek. He's actually, he's from Canada and um, I, I don't know. I, I say unto him, if you're listening to this, I offer. I understand you. I because I love Star Trek, and he he did a video of himself in front of all of his Star Trek memorabilia. He had every Blu-ray. He had every DVD, and I got to watch him over the course of a, a very lengthy YouTube rant. Watch his soul just evaporate into frustration, and I want to say to that guy. There was no one for those 20 minutes more frustrated than me, the host of the Star Trek podcast. I wanted to watch the trailer, and my phone's blown up. Holy crap, did you see it? Oh my God, Michelle Yeoh. Wait, was that the Klingon? Wait, is she a Vulcan? What the heck's going on? And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And 20 minutes later, I was satiated. 20 minutes later, I was like, I was my, my feet were burning hot, and I got to put them in an icy pool uh, to chill them out. But this, but this, what I want to say to this guy is, I understand your frustration. Just just chill out. It's a TV show that we love, for a franchise we love, that has a lot of different moving parts. And it would have been cooler if it all launched simultaneously on your, it was called Geoblocked. It was Geoblocked in Canada for 20 minutes. As it was for me in France for 20 minutes, it was Geoblocked. I had to, I had to hit refresh on Twitter constantly and I eventually saw it. So, is that a mistake? Sure, it's a little bit of a mistake. 
but it is it is it is something that if that is the least of your worries in life, you live a very blessed life. Just the so, fact that that guy had that amount of stuff ready to go in that short amount of time. Yeah, that- no, I think he probably made his video the next day. It was something that kept him up at night, and it was like it was the last straw for him. Now, who knows what else is going on in this poor man's life? Maybe he, he lost his job, or he, uh, you know, he hasn't gone on a date in a while, or who knows? And I, I have nothing but sympathy, sympathy for the man. And actually, he's very funny. His rant, although completely from a warped perspective, is, is one of the better ones out there. So my point is to that guy and to everybody else, I want you to calm down. Now, the number one problem that people have been having with the new, I want to start with the negative so we can dig our teeth into the positives. The one thing that I do kind of agree with a little bit is the bridge of the ship does not quite look like what I was fantasizing the bridge of the ship would look like. It looks a little dark, and it looks kind of has that chrome, purplish, blue, off-gray, Battlestar Galactica, The Expanse-type look. But what we're seeing is the bridge of the Shinzu. We're not seeing the bridge of the Discovery. That is true. So we don't know what the bridge of the Discovery looks like. The bridge of the Discovery may very well look exactly like that. And I'm talking less about the shape and the decor and the design than simply the colors. Coloring, yeah. It's a little, a little dark, dark and gritty. A little dark. And this is my only negative thing to say is that I, when I saw that bridge, I'm like, oh, it's a little dark because I love the original series bridge, which is bright. The lights are on. Everything's bright. Absolutely. Next Generation. Uh, you know, it's tan. It looks sort of like a dentist's office in there, but it's still very lovely. <laughs> and then Voyager is similar. And then uh, the Enterprise bridge is similar. Enterprise, you know, Archer's Enterprise, similar to what we see in this trailer. You know, just hue-wise. I'm talking about the hue. But, like, they, it was as if they, they went off of that and then turned... If they had a dimmer switch and just made it a little <laughs> bit darker, so that was the one thing that made me say, "Oh man, I'm, I'm a... so." But we don't even know if that's the, the you know every from what I gather and what from what little I know about the story, everything we see on the bridge in this very short trailer is the bridge of the Shenzhou. For all we know, when our character Michael Burnham leaves the Shenzhou for reasons that are maybe implied in this trailer, because the that Lieutenant Saru, the big alien, smells death or whatever he does. Um, uh, maybe the Shenzhou blows up, and then we go to the Discovery, and it's like more in tune with what I'm saying. I don't expect it to look like the TOS bridge. I don't expect the costumes, the uniforms, the gadgets to look like the original series, because that would be ridiculous, because then it would look like a Saturday Night Live parody. Yeah. There was a recent Saturday Night Live parody when Chris Pine was on uh, SNL, and they did a, a, a sketch, a uh, Star Trek sketch. Did you see this? I don't think I did. It was dumb. So it, I don't, it was it was pretty bad, actually. It was, Pine was on SNL to promote Wonder Woman, which, by the way, Brian, you know where I'm going the minute we're done recording? I'm guessing you're going to see Wonder Woman? Can you get out of work? I could try to bring you. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe? Let's, let's find out. I really could. I'm going at 2. It's now 11.40. I'm going today. I was hoping we could record this after I saw Wonder Woman so I could talk about Chris Pine's performance. Uh-huh. I hear it's good. So anyway, Pine was on SNL, and he did a, you know, they do Trek parodies in the past, and it was just like any other, and it was the recreation of the TOS bridge. If you had made, for those of them, those people out there saying, oh, I miss, you know, why doesn't the uniform look like a TOS uniform? Why don't the gadgets look like TOS gadgets? If it did, it would look like SNL. It would, you would not be able to make it, you would not be able to take it seriously. It has to look like modern television, which is why the displays don't look like the displays. And we're going to talk about this when we get to this, but like the sort of touchscreen stuff. Although there are buttons. I noticed buttons on the bridge also, but the, the displays have to look like modern stuff. It's, this is a show produced in 2017. But the color scheme, I will, to the naysayers, I will say the color scheme was a mild disappointment. Now, once I watch, if, if the entire show is the same bridge as the same color scheme, will I, you know, hurl my television set into the sea? No. I have a hunch that within five and a half minutes, I'm going to be so engrossed <laughs> in the saga. And I would want nothing more than my beloved Michael Burnham to succeed in, in, in whatever travails she's doing. And, and Captain uh, Michelle Yeoh's character, character Captain Giorgio, and, and that big alien who smells death, and the dude who looks like Lobot, and the blue guy who does not look like a bullion because he's got like like washers on his face. All those dudes. You know, and there's a redhead in there running around. That's always nice. So... Um, you know, I have a hunch that I'm going to stop caring very quickly. And first time, first episode of Enterprise, Broken Bow, is a little bit of like, you know, this show takes place before TOS. Why does it look like? Because I'm not an idiot. Because it's because I have to accept that 
you know, real life and has to lore. Lore has to, you know, lore and mythos have to take a backseat to reality to a degree. Now, there are other cool nods in the trailer, like the, the communicator looks a lot like a TOS communicator, but sleek, but streamlined. I think that's that's going to work out to be, do you know the literary term or the etymological term, uh, doki, Like when a small symbol represents the wider whole? No, I did not. Yeah, I, I may be using it incorrectly. You're synecdoche. Like Synecdoche, New York was the movie. Okay. So synecdoche, synecdoche <laughs> is like when a little thing represents the bigger picture. I think that communicator is going to be the synecdoche of this show. It looks an awful lot like the one that should, quote unquote, should be used at the time, but sleeker and a little bit more believable for 2017, even though it's set at roughly the same time as TOS. Yeah. So with that, what do you say we watch the trailer and that, you know, when we get to that first shot, I will say when we get to that first shot of the bridge, you know, the first time I watched it, I went a little, mm, but everything else on here looks like real cool stuff. So now we're going to try to do, if you've got your laptops in front of you and you want to play along, we're going to put the audio through. We're going to watch uh, Star Trek Discovery First Look trailer on YouTube, which is on the um, official Star Trek YouTube channel. It currently has over 5 million views. And we're going to add to that a little bit. So, uh, Brian, are we ready to hit play at the zero, zero, zero mark? Yes, we are. All right. In three, two, one. All right. We got a logo for all access. We got sand on a desert planet. Might be Vulcan. We don't know. Ten years before Kirk, Spock, and the Enterprise. All right. Hit pause. All right. That's a little bit annoying. Yeah. Because it's 10 years before Kirk before Kirk got, you know, got his commission. All right, cool. 10 years before Spock. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Spock was working with <laughs> Captain Pike at the time. <laughs> and the Enterprise, is there not a Captain Archer? Was there not already an Enterprise? That's they true. made the new Enterprise. But I understand and I embrace CBS All Access's uh, marketing plan to make this show for everyone that knows Kirk and Spock and maybe doesn't think about Captain Archer as often as they should. Well, you have to think that this was also premiered at the like the upfronts for CBS, so they, they want to... Oh, it was for the suits! Yeah, it was oh. for the suits. Oh, dopes. <laughs> Had I been at the upfront... What are the upfronts? Because you work in the biz, Brian. Not I really. <laughs> I don't really know what upfronts the upfront, are. Uh, it's, it's just um, you present your, uh, your, your upcoming... Slate, slate of to programming like, to uh, for advertisers. To, so, like the guy from Doritos is there thinking, "All right, I got yeah." X, like, I oh, got, wow! I got to get it on this the Star Trek Discovery. I got X amount of money to spend this year on my Doritos campaign. I'm going to give some to CSI. I'm going to give some some to another CBS show, and let's let's see what CBS what what this uh, new Trek is about. And yep. then they get blown away and they call their boss. They go, "Holy crap! This new show is going to be awesome. We got to align and give them all of our money." Yes. All right, cool. So for those guys, they don't know about Enterprise, maybe. So it does say st- 10 years before Kirk, Spock, and the Enterprise, parentheses, the Enterprise that you know, e.g. William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, and Bones McCoy. It really should read before Kirk, Spock, and Bones, but that's all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... All right, so so far, so good. You've alleviated my, my annoyance of that. All right, let's get back to it. They were on uh, the desert, and three, two, one. Captain, where are we going? We have no map. And you can't set a course without a star. There was discovery. It's hard to imagine. You've served under me for seven years. All right, hit clock. All right, first of all, Michelle Yeoh, fantastic actress. I believe she is Malaysian, if I'm not mistaken. We know her from, uh, she was, uh, her most famous thing is uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yes. Right? Okay, that's, that's, which is a masterpiece. Maybe one of the best, Certainly the most, uh, uh, in the U.S., anyhow, the most... Um, it was very prominent uh, yeah, yeah. when it came out. It was a big, big, big success at the box office, and it got Academy Award nominations for virtually everything you can imagine. And she's great in it. So she is our captain, Georgiou, and the secret thing she says to her first officer, the XO, who we now know as uh, Burnham, uh, she says, you've been with me for seven years. It's time for you to move on. That's a bit of a magic number because that's how long Riker served under Picard was seven years. That's true. Seven years is as long as a, you know, prime uh, Trek show ever lasted. TOS, three seasons, 
Enterprise only got four, but the other three got seven. DS9, Voyager, and Next Gen all got seven. So she's right. Seven years is what you get. Michael Burnham, why do you stay in the shadow of your, uh, of your commanding officer? Let's go back to the tape in three, two, one. Commander Burnham, I think it is time we talked about you having your own command. Tutor transport. All right, hit pause. Why, one more question is we have no maps, we have no guidance, it was as if they were lost, and then she uh, whips out her communicator and suddenly the, the ship comes to get them. What do you think is happening in this scene? Um, I think there's some kind of fake out going on. I think that the potentially. I, I mean, they could be talking about something different and not their actual situation in the moment. But it's also maybe she's just saying like, "Hey, uh, I know what I'm doing, and you don't yet." But <laughs> but let's minute, give you a command. But a minute ago, she was the, the she was saying, "But but 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 Captain, we you know how are we going to find something?" And then she, maybe this is actually a later bit in the scene. We don't realize it, it could. I mean, I, th- I think it's just uh, it's just. Going with that theme of discovery, it's like, oh, hey, uh, it's some some more to it than than starts charts and maps and things. That there's oh. a there's an innate sense of um, discovery. <laughs> All right, okay, I'm buying that. And now we see the ship, which I believe is the Shenzhou, coming through a cloud or a nebula. Um, it, it's implied by the uh, editing of this trailer that the the ship is like picking them up, almost in a suborbital. Space, like they're coming into the atmosphere, which is very rare. I don't know because in a moment they're going to get beamed. But before we do, go a few frames more. Let's take a look at the ship. And there it is. It's sort of like a hybrid of. Uh, it looks a little bit like the ship we saw once before in the very, very small teaser trailer, which had that sort of look based on the old Ralph McQuarrie drawings for Star Trek Phase Two. But it does have a little bit of a look of um, the NX ships from Enterprise. And what will eventually be what we know as, as the TOS Constitution class ships, because it has sort of that triangular body, and then the nacelles are kind of wide and down. And then if you really look at it hard, the the um, the saucer is a little bit small compared to the rest of it, right? Yeah, it does look a little small. It looks I'm not this is I'm not putting the ship down, don't get me wrong. I'm just sort of really thinking about it. And it does sort of look like a like almost like a buggy quality to it right the uh the ship's body looks a little wider too than most other ships that yeah. i yeah yeah well it looks pretty cool so let's continue on now and it's making all kinds and they're here wait hit pause real quick all right so we saw the beginning of a beam out and if you go back a little bit frame by frame can we do that do we have frame by frame technology here on deck 44 uh, <laughs> by the way i was doing it myself on my laptop and i'm already lost so uh all right, here we go. This is going to be worth it. Trust me. All right, hit pause. If you see, the way this beams out is a little bit different. There's almost like a grid pattern f- forming around like the backs of their head. Yes. It looks it looks like Tron. It does look a little <laughs> bit like Tron. Okay, I can see that. They're going into Tron. <laughs> That's the secret of discoveries. This is actually a Tron crossover. <laughs> Wouldn't that be like? Look at how cool Michelle Yao looks. So she's got yo. It's, it's pronounced yo. I was told. Uh, so she's got these like kind of. She looks like Lawrence of Arabia there. You know, she's got this the headgear on and these white scarves, and she's got the the goggles on her forehead. And then uh, I don't know. It looks really cool. So she's having a talk with her first officer, saying it's time for you to go. And then they're gonna go. We're gonna go ahead and we're gonna see the ship at warp. Let's hit uh, play. All right, they're zooming. They're zooming through subspace, and here comes the big reveal. All right, let's hit pause for a second. All right, so my first thing was the bridge is gigantic and it's a little dark and the colors are muted, and uh, and but now I'm over it. Now, this is the voice of me being over it. And what I've noticed here are the uniforms. Now, uniforms don't look like the velour uniforms of the the cage and the early TOS. Uh, I'm 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 actually these uniforms are pretty cool. I think they they look similar to the uniforms. They look like a hybrid of Enterprise uniforms, at least in the colors, and also what uh, Chris Pine and um, uh, um, uh, Anton Yelchin wore because they were the in Star Trek Beyond. They were the last to get in the quote unquote Kelvin pods in Star Trek Beyond, and they were wearing these sort of like uh, rugged. Uh, out, I don't want to even call it, it's like all-weather gear or whatever you want to call it. Like, like they got, you know, it's got like the, the broad shoulders. And if you notice, you have to look close on this now. 
Our lead character, she's got this piping down the side. So Nico Martin-Green has what looks like gold piping. And so she is command, and it's still command gold. If you look uh, on our left of the frame, the dude who will eventually talk to, who's that alien dude, he's got blue. So it's science blue, once again. It's gold blue. Well, and I then actually didn't even notice that. When they don't have red, but I'm noticing that the engineering guys... Um, Will there are some people on this bridge crew that have like bronze or copper? It's probably more like a copper color, and I think those are the equivalents of who would have worn red in TOS. Those are the red shirts. So the red shirts are now copper piping, right? And then later we're going to see the captain and her. Uh, she's going to have a little some more stuff on her shoulders, and her com badge is going to have some pips on it, which the others don't have. So that's what's going on with the uniform. I, I love the jacket. I love the zipper. Personally, I think I would look pretty good in one of these things. <laughs> and at first, I didn't realize the color uh, changes. But when I watched this for the 85th time, I did notice that there were the color changes. And they did work in sync with previously established Star Trek lore. So let's hit play again. They do come. Often such leaders will need... Profound All right, let's, let's hit pause. So, by the way, the first time I watched this, I didn't even hear any of the dialogue. Oh, I was yeah, so, yeah. You're just looking at everything was, first. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who's this? What's going on? But what's happening here is this is Sarek. James Frain is playing the role of Sarek. Uh, he is about the same age that Mark Lennard was when he first played Sarek in the original series. He looks a lot like Sarek, and it looks pretty cool. So what is new to me, which I had not heard from any of my established sources inside of the Star Trek Empire was um, Sarek is um, uh, Burnham's uh, mentor of some sort. And the implication that we're going to see is that Burnham was was raised on Vulcan. Why? We don't know, because we see her as a kid. Uh, and that's coming up in a few shots. And we also see her as a kid with a Vulcan haircut. So this is a really new thing. We have never seen a human raised on Vulcan. Uh, we have seen Worf was a Klingon raised on Earth. But, and we've seen Spock, who is a half-human raised on Vulcan in the Vulcan tradition. But a human raised or at least educated or at least has some long-standing connection with Vulcan is very new. Why the heck she was raised on Vulcan, or at least educated there, we don't know. Was her parents ambassadors? Uh, was she lost in a space battle and, and like wharf and picked up in a basket? We really don't know. But what that me says to me is that her personality is going to have um, at least, if not Vulcan traits, a Vulcan perspective on things. Although later in this clip, we're going to see that she's a little bit of an aggressor. She's a bit of a hawk. You know, she wants to fire upon the Klingons, and the captain's like, Starfleet does not fire first, and she says, if we don't do it, we're, we're doomed. Which is a little bit of a, that is not necessarily the Vulcan way, although they do see things logically. But anyway, we get a lot of Sarek in this, but he's always in some sort of um, hollow, trans he's like a hologram. So uh, again, that's new. It's not, it's not a view screen, and it's not a, they're not talking to him at a computer console, they're talking to him, he's 3D in a hollow uh, projection. So, right, let's hit play again. For their followers to rally around. There's Lobot. What There's a blue I... guy. All right, hit pause. Go back a second. I don't know who these bridge people are. I don't even know what the actors' names are. I do have to say, Sonequa Martin Green. She's beautiful. Yes. She looks great. All these close-up. Her hair is dynamite. They are not going to have the memory. Voyager. There we, there we go. They were changing Janeway's hair every. No, Sonequa Martin Green looks gorgeous. So go back a little bit more. One of the dudes on the bridge, he's Lobot. Oh, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> There's this guy. I don't know his name. I don't know the actor's name. I don't really care right now, but he's got something on his head. He's wearing Bluetooth headphones. <laughs> <laughs> but he does look a little bit like Lobot. Lobot, of course, is the dude from uh, Cloud City uh, in Bespin in the other franchise known as Star Wars, the vastly inferior franchise known as Star Wars, where the dude who was locked into the computers through some sort of cranial... Uh, cyborg uh, attachments, and we looks like we got one on our bridge. In Star Trek Into Darkness, we had that dude called 0718 who uh, was like a cyborg man, and looks like we got one here. And he's got bronze, you see? So he's a red shirt. 
Yeah, that's I my that's my that. interpretation. I do notice that now, yeah. Yeah, I don't know for sure if that's engineering or red shirt, uh, but that's my interpretation. I'm sticking with it until I'm told otherwise. If you hit the space bar for a second, we're going to see the blue guy next. All right, there's an alien on the bridge, and it's not Saru played by Doug Jones. This guy, at first, I'm like, he's a Bolian. Remember Mott the Barber from Next Generation? It could be him. But if you look at his face... And there's a little bit of a halo effect with the lighting on this bridge on the Shenzhou. It's very dramatic. So the, 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 the halo effect makes it kind of difficult to see the contours of his face. But if you look on his left cheek, he's got look like little discs, right? Yeah, they do look like they're protruding. Yeah, like little washers. Or something. Now, I don't know if that is a, um, a, simply a style. It could be a religious thing like the Bajorans wear the uh, earring around their pog on their, on their ears. Or it could just be that he's some sort of cyborg uh, person as well. I don't know. Nevertheless, we've got some cool guys on our bridge. We got a blue guy, we got a Lobot guy, and in a minute we're going to see Saru, and I've got some questions about him. So let's hit play again. What am I looking at? Object of unknown origin. We've come all this way, Captain. I hit pause. Be- I go back for a second. So, um, all right. So we saw the view screen, and uh, we didn't get a great view of it. We just see like a lot of display. And, um, you know, uh, for a minute it looked like there was a Terok-Nor-type space station, but that was just a planet with a lot of rings around it. And there's a lot of blue, again, kind of Tron blue, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, graphics everywhere. But when you cut back, when you go back uh, a little bit more and uh, Sanuka Martin-Green and Michelle Yeoh are talking in somebody's chambers, probably the captain's chambers, this really hit me. This looked a lot like TOS to me. Go forward a little bit again. Origin. A little bit more. Come all this way. All right, here. So you look behind Sonequa Martin-Green's head, and there's a display case with, like, just kind of trophies and various gugaws, tchotchkes, little things that probably the captain has collected over the course of her career. And I don't know. To me, this looks a lot like uh, Bones's um, uh, uh, med bay, where there was just, like, a lot of stuff on the shelf. And this is the most TOS shot for me in the whole trailer. Uh, even though the colors are not like TOS, just sort of the concept and the way, like, it's out of focus. You just see, like, these little, uh, what do they look like, vases, trophies, maybe little yeah, models, they like, models? they look like trophies to me. Yeah. Maybe some decorative uh, vases. Yeah, but that's something that you didn't see. You saw some of that in Picard's ready room where he had other ships. But this moment is just like, yes. That is what um, the captain's quarters look like in this era. If this is 10 years before the five-year mission of the original series, they kind of got this perfectly right. And in this scene, uh, what's happening story-wise is uh, Sonequa Martin-Green is imploring her captain to, to, to take some sort of action about something that's looming because they've discovered something. We don't know what it is. It's probably better we don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't mind not knowing. You, I, I don't want to know too much before I watch it because yeah. then what, what are you? What are you watching yeah. for? I'm I mean, kind of okay with. I like knowing like the way thing. I like knowing the surface stuff at a trial. I like knowing the look I, and feel. I like the yeah the, the the aspect of the teaser to just tease you a little bit like oh yeah. hey yeah and then once I um, they get me with that I don't need to see anything else until yeah. it's actually out. Yeah. A new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. All right, so let's hit play again. Captain. It would be irresponsible to leave whatever that is under. That's the EVA suit. What have you done? Out There's there the Sarah again. Now she's floating in space. Computer, enable igniter. This fall. Now this is awesome. All right. Um, we're about to see. Go forward just a little bit. We're on some rock. There's like a, a sarcophagus going up to the sky. I was thinking of a next shot, but let's keep going again. All right, there they are. There are the Klingons. Oh, my God. So the Klingons look different, and everybody had a heart attack. Um, the Klingons look, uh, you know, listen, we had the TOS Klingons, then we had the first movie Klingons, and then we had the next generation Klingons, and then we had Star Trek Into Darkness Klingons, and every single Klingon looked different. And these Klingons, I don't know why they look different, you know. I don't think we're, 
We're going to find out if they tell us why. Maybe they're from the Australia of Klingon, you know, of the planet. Maybe they're from a different region. That's why they look different. But once you get over the fact that they look different, they look pretty wild. These are like the nuttiest looking Klingons I've seen. And um, the decor of what's happening in wherever they are, it's like an asteroid or something they're hanging out on. It's like Thanos from the Marvel films. There And there's... Uh, when you look really close at the Klingon uniforms, there are some nice touches that are reminiscent of original series. Like that has like if you look underneath all of the suits, and we'll get to a close-up later, they have like the chainmail that Kor Koloth and Kang wore in original series. Pretty wild. Um and if you notice also here, there's color quarter. The two guys in front are like in a charcoal, like a bone gr- bone gray or something. And then the dude behind him's in like a rust color in this like kind of creepy land with torches everywhere. It's got a cool kind of like orc feel, you know? Um, I can see that. Uh, you know, I I am cognizant of the fact that these Klingons look different. I think they're going to act similar because there's a shot later on where clearly a Klingon is dead. And they're doing that thing where they yell up at the sky, which is what Klingons do when one of their <laughs> companions die. They go, Roar! and they you know, cry up to the heavens so that he does not enter Grithor and instead enters Stovokor. But let's continue on for a second, because I want to get to that one shot where they're on like this this, this rock in space, which is looking at the hands. Captain, what signatures detected? Context off each command. We have engaged the Klingons. By the way, Klingon uh, insignia exactly the same. In fact, uh, you know, I happen to be wearing my Klingon shirt today. <laughs> and uh, when red alert happens on the ship, there's red lights, which is nice. Did you notice? Like the light? I, I did the, see that. The, yeah. the <laughs> so we have engaged the Klingons, and now there's like some kind of like Game of Thrones like chamber with this wacky looking room. And we're about to get the close up of what I assume is the big bad guy. Let's take a look. There he is. Look at that outfit. So it's got the chainmail underneath. He's got like webbing on top of it. And there are like little red, like on his shoulders, there's like, it's dipped in red. Yeah, like little gems or yeah, something. Yeah, like rubies. Which is like, are, is he like, uh, you know, like a, a vein Klingon? Is he like a fancy lad Klingon? <laughs> or is this just like, these are the gems of my enemies that I have stolen from their quarries? You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's really cool. So this is the guy. I don't know who he is, but this is the guy. Let's let's see. He's gonna yell in a minute. Let's take a look. Discover adventure. It says. You will never learn Vulcan. Your tongue is too. Human. All right. There's. Li- oh wait. I love that shot, which is I was I was pissing and moaning a minute ago how there wasn't enough color. There's a shot of uh, Burnham. She's remembering from her youth when Sarek told her she could never be a Klingon. And then is she like in a bio bed? It looks like it, yeah. It looks like she's in some sort of bio bed. She's got something over her. She's uh, not wearing much, but she's got the medical facility around, and she's in what looks like a honeycomb. It does look like that. <laughs> she's in some sort of yellow, weird, uh, 2001-ish. Everything's an octagon, right? Is that eight, one, two, three, four, five, six? It's yep. a hexagon, right? Hexagon. One, two, three, oh, yeah, four, five. Hexagon. Everything's very hexagonal here on Star Trek Discovery. There's a hexagonal uh, portal and she's getting well. I don't know if this is on Klingon or on in the Federation uh, ships or maybe even on that weird um, or in Vulcan, I meant to say. I don't know if this is back on Vulcan or if she's on like the Klingon rock or whatever. But she's in some sort of bio bed in what looks like a honeycomb. She's going to become a bee, I guess. <laughs> so, um, all right, let's hit play. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to save all the of hallway. You. Looks nice. Oh, my God. There's a white light. There, I love that shot. There was the, um, uh, uh, it looked, reminded me of the cage. And I think this is meant, there's this matte, nowadays they don't do matte paintings, but it's a resembling of the matte painting uh, from the cage where instead of having a castle in the background, you see the two people walking. It's, it's cut back to the beginning. You see Burnham and uh, the captain walking on the desert planet and you see many planets in the background. The moon and the sun or whatever. Probably on Vulcan, because if you, you know, Vulcan is a, uh, you know, desert planet, and um, I believe there are multiple, uh, there have been some establishing shots on Vulcan in the films, Star Trek motion picture especially, where you do see a lot of stuff hanging out, celestial stuff in the background. So my guess is this is Vulcan, but I can't be for sure. But it looks great, this shot, this very wide shot with, um, 
the uh, planets in the background. A little reminiscent of Star Wars too, but Star Trek did it first and did it better. Okay, let's uh, let's go forward. There's the yelling Klingons. They're, they're so upset, and here Burnham's upset. She's yelling at her boss. You can see her mouth right open. Let's 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 roll Cut off its head. Stop. Wait, no, I, I want to know what that was back there. Yeah, right, Hold on. Three, there is a sh- uh, three shots in a row of like what the hell's going on. So you got main Klingon dude is enraged and agonized and screaming up to the heavens. Then you cut to his cut buddy his on the deck. Yeah, this is what I wanted to know what it was. All right, and then know. you cut back to the desert planet and there's like a, he looks like a hermit crab monster. It, it kind of does look like a hermit crab. It's like a, it's like a giant man-sized hermit crab and he's got like a face of just like... um. It looks like dreadlocks coming out of his nose and mouth, right? Yeah, something. something. He's like some kind of crustacean dude, and I hope that he's in every episode. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think this is a good sign. This is some really good effects. I mean, it looks, it looks. some of it looks practical as well. I mean, Yeah, no, when I saw this, I got very, very excited because there's, there's going to be uh, another thing was like a robot man coming up. So this is like real evidence. Oh, man, there's a lot of money in this. They took a lot of effort to create aliens that we've never seen on Star Trek before. I've never seen this crustacean dude, something quite like him, certainly not on the TNG budget, you know? The one thing that kind of bothers me about this, though, is it being that this is so close to TOS and and all that. I mean, we've already seen at least three different aliens we've never heard of before. So, like, what happened to them? You know, like, where have they been? Yes, right. (laughs) We've been... They've been... uh, you're right. Why have we never seen them again? Uh, well, to I mean, be you, determined. You know, maybe you can get away with that with like, like one or two of them. So like, oh, this they're they're very rare, or they're the species are going extinct or something. Well, or, you know, they're always in the background. You know, at least in the yeah, films, they're always in the background, and uh, that is a good problem to have. More yes, absolutely aliens. I mean, what we're not seeing in this are aliens that are pre-established. We're not seeing. Uh, Ferengi, Cardassians, uh, or even like good guys, like or even. Or, you know, Andorians, Tellarites. We're not seeing that level of commitment to pre-existing canon. But instead of that, we're seeing the blue guy with the washers in his face, Lobot, Saru, uh, who we haven't, you know, the the guy who can smell death, which we're getting to in a minute. Um, and then this dude with the stuff hanging off his face that looks like a crab man. And then hit play again. We're going to see this robot guy. Stop. Yeah, oh, what, what is that? I missed him. Yeah, who is that? Is he on the deck? Is he a machine or a man? I'm saying he. I don't mean to be so gender uh, specific. I'm just saying that is a person. That is a, 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 a what is that? Is that somebody with uh, a thing on his head? Or you know is that what? That might be a helmet. I mean, look, look. I, I, is that okay. skin there? All right. Or is so that just part of the, that same color? Tell me, Brian, what is the exact... Uh, uh, time code on this for people who are maybe uh, 149 on, all right 149 for a, a brief flash you see this thing now it could be burnham with a helmet on her head or uh, it could be somebody else oh it or, says it says uss uh what's the ship's name i keep forgetting shenzu shenzu it says it on the side there actually now that i'm noticing it all right it says shenzu on the side so what we're looking at is possibly some sort of virtual reality gear maybe 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 Burnham's on, maybe Burnham is doing this away mission that she went in the EVA suit and she went to the Klingon rock to meet Klingon Thanos and, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, Captain Michelle Yeoh is wearing this on her head to see what she sees. Now that does violate a little bit of canon because we never saw technology like that anytime before on Star Trek, but it looks really cool. Or it could be that this is some kind of cyborg man. I don't know. I mean, my guess is this is a helmet. Yeah, it looks like a helmet with a really cool display on the front with like blue Tron stuff going on. And but it also looks a little beat up. See, I can see that. Yeah, the look of Discovery so far, and again, we haven't seen the deck of Discovery. We've only seen the Shinzu. It's got like kind of that gray Battlestar Galactica quality, but the displays have that sort of. Uh, you know, laser blue, you know, Tron, or or even like a little bit of the the look of um uh, the uh, Rogue One had that look also. Well, I mean, I mean, I I think that's almost like an aesthetic from from the the, the Kelvin movies. I mean, like they had those really bright lights yeah. there, even though it, it's kind of a, a a bit of a darker looking thing. Yeah, I mean, it's they they had a tough time because they have to make this look distinct from the Kelvin, and also they don't have as much budget as the Kelvin movies, and Absolutely. also it's got to be different. It's tough, you know. They 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 definitely have a 
the production designers on this show certainly have a, have a big task ahead of them. I don't envy them. I agree. But so far, I think they're 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 doing a pretty pretty bang up job. So let's see who's after the robot guy. Starfleet doesn't fire first. We have to. Right. Here's My the big moment. We're biological. Let's let's determined for one purpose alone to sense the coming of death. I sense it coming now. All right, let's hit pause for a second. All right, we got to dig into this because this is awesome. I'm assuming this guy is Lieutenant Saru, Doug Jones's character. It sounds like him. Sounds like him. He's tall. I mean, you can't see his face because he's underneath a pile of, of, of... One thing I noticed, too, to add to you before with the colors and the, sh- and the uniforms, uh, yeah. you don't get a clear look of it here, but uh, it looks like it's like gold, silver, and bronze instead of oh, more. Oh, is, is it like um, a bluish silver? Well, no, it looked really... Sil- like there was. We, we froze on a shot earlier, I didn't yeah. say it, but it looked very silver rather than blue. I think that um, that's kind of an interesting... Um, gold, silver, bronze is, yeah. is the Olympics. Yeah. Um, could, you could be right. Um, in fact, you probably are right. But the lighting on the ship is k- kooky. The, there is some weird so, blue lights. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, we, we froze a shot earlier that there was a blue light on him on his yeah. uniform on the blue part. Yeah. So it's it could be this the lighting in the in the, yeah. in the bridge. Gold, silver, bronze certainly makes a lot more sense now that we mention it. But um, because you can tell that that she has gold. Yeah. And, and then that the Lobot definitely had bronze. Yeah. So. I know that we got to get Lobot's real name. I can't call him Lobot too <laughs> yes. much longer. I'm going to get people yelling at me, but we're going to call him Lobot for now. Um, so do, Saru, he has, you know, I can, I've been biologically bred for one purpose to, to sense death. That's a very limited skill set. I'd say so. So why is he a bridge commander? <laughs> why is he on the bridge crew? If all he is, if he's canary in the coal mine, what does he do when he's not sensing death? Is he just like, you know, Playing Candy Crush? I mean, what? What is? Uh, does he do other things? Oh, didn't they? Didn't the description say he was a science officer? Yeah, I guess. But like, what, what exactly? Like he does that in his spare time. He's like, really, I'm here to sense death. But while I'm maybe, here, I'll maybe be... he's a space mortician. <laughs> now, here's the other thing, though. So he's there to sense death biologically. Now, I would understand that if you know there are dogs that can smell cancer. Do you know about this? I've heard that. Yes. Yeah. So if this is a an alien creature who can sense the coming of a biological death, I'm willing to buy that. You know, there's somebody who has illness inside of them. To sense uh, mechanical death from an accident, that's impossible. Maybe it's more of a, a like a, a modified precognition-y kind of uh, feeling. Okay, because I mean, if he's going to sense, like, for example, if he is aware that a, uh, a photon torpedo is about to hit them, you know... By some miracle, everybody could be saved. The shields could hold up. It's true. What does he have? Some sort of access to time travel that he's aware? Does his do, do his neutrinos know what's going to happen five minutes from now? Somehow, how does he sense death? I, again, I can understand if he can sense disease and decay, but how can he sense? Let's say, for example, Lobot was about to go pick up a hammer and hit the blue guy over the head. <laughs> how would he know? Maybe he does he maybe it's ESP. He can kind of tell, maybe. like like uh, you know, like the Betazoids. So this uh, is my first question. Out of <laughs> I have a question to ask. What is the actual wording he says? Is is that go it, back? I don't know. Yeah. You're the you're the, um, you're the helmsman okay. here. I sense it coming now. No, I have to go back for it. Sorry about that. Come on, Saru. I sense it coming. Damn it! It's <laughs> the worst. All right, here we go. Go all the way back. All right, all right. We're biologically determined for one purpose alone. What does that mean, biologically determined? I think that means genetic tinkering. That that's and who would who would have done well, that? Well, his does, people. I would. I don't think the Federation would not stand for. Okay. That. Well, I'm saying maybe this is, is, after, is the reason. Is the reason we only have seen one of them is because he was created somehow. Yeah. See, the Federation does not dig um, on genetic mutations in a post-con environment. So uh, this is after the 1990s. Genetic mutation is out. Uh, you know, Dr. Uh, Dr. Bashir later on is another story, but it, it would be, you know, what, but let's say he comes from Planet X, let's call him. So the Planet X people would have biologically generated themselves that way or something. I don't know. I hope to learn more because I'm fascinated. You know, I can guarantee you, I know the minds of the people who run IDW Comics and our good friend John Van Sitters over at CBS Licensing. I have never been more sure of anything in my life. There is going to be uh, an Origins comic for this dude that is going (laughs) to knock all of our socks off. There's going to be, if not a one-shot, a mini-series, 
that is going to be just about where this guy comes from and how he got his powers and how he got into the Federation because they think like 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 we think. We want to know more about this yeah. guy. So stay tuned on that. That's going to be glorious. All right, let's see what he says again, word for word. To sense the coming of death. I sense it coming now. First of all, how can he sense anything? He's got no nostrils. His nostrils are <laughs> his nostrils are like back by his ears. Maybe, maybe that's how he can do it. Maybe they're, you just don't see him. He looks great. It does look really cool. You know? yeah. now, again, beat a very, Doug Jones. Very practical and very good looking effects. Yeah. He must spend a long time oh, in, yeah. the, in, the, in the makeup chair. Although for all we know, there's, there's probably some digital in there too. We don't know. There probably is something in there. He looks great. And he looks like a cool character. So, so he senses the, the coming of death. Now here's where I'm going to spitball. Once again, to the listeners. I don't know anything. I know as much as you know at this point about this show. My guess is that um, this is we're all we're seeing clips from the pilot, and the Shenzhou is going down, and most of the people we see in this are getting killed. I I agree. I think Michelle Yeoh, I think she's getting killed. I think so too. I think um, Lobot, blue guy, they're gone. Don't get too attached to them. <laughs> I think uh, maybe that's why we don't see them again. Burnham they die. and Saru. Saru is going to somehow save Burnham or Burnham's going to save Saru somehow and they're going to get out and they're going to get on their ship the Discovery and I hope the Discovery has a little bit more red <laughs> in it <laughs> but if it doesn't I'll live so this is the question but, I have too now is yeah. this taking place before or after that scene where she's saying we have to attack first I mean is, is this a forewarning of that and why she's saying no, that maybe this is what we're about to see is the last this clip this is my guess now I'm okay. totally spitballing Saru saying I sense the coming of death is the last scene of episode one. Episode okay. two is the Shenzhou getting the shit knocked out of it. I'm guessing. Don't this? Is, I don't know anything. I'm a fan like you. I have no access. I do not have all access to all access. <laughs> I have no access. My guess is episode two is the Shenzhou getting killed and battles and death and some survival. And episode three is Burnham and Saru somehow getting aboard the... Uh, Discovery Sorry. being saved by that other dude. There's another captain. I forget. It. There's another actor. Jason Isaacs. Yeah, Jason Isaacs. Who actually had a, a great tweet. Somebody uh, tweeted to him, uh, well, why aren't you in the trailer? And he says, well, because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's not in it until episode three. When, he's, when, when he picks up Saru and, and Burnham somehow on that rock, maybe they get captured. Maybe they get captured by the Klingons, and that's what they're yelling about. They're on the space rock. Maybe. With Klingon Thanos. All right, well, we got anything left on this? I think this is uh, the last shot. I think. Oh yeah, wait. What's that? They're on the rock. Oh, that's the rock. This yes, is like there, yes. and she's got. She's not holding anything, but he's holding some sort of uh, Klingon weapon we've never seen before. Yeah, it looks. A, it does clearly not a. Bla uh, bat it's not lift. a bat left, but yeah. it's some sort of weapon. It's hard to see. It's a little dark. It's, they need flashlights. Yeah, they do need discovery. some flashlights, like on the helmets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think this is it, right? Uh, you see him do that strike there. Yeah, and, and then the music. Let's play it through. The music sounds good. We didn't really talk about how the insignia, the insignia this fall on CBS All Access is going to be the greatest $8 you spend a month. It's <laughs> going to be, um, we didn't talk a little bit about the, uh, we did not speak about the um, uh, insignia looks a little different, but then there are other, if you really hunt for Easter eggs, when she's on the, in the, when she's talking to Sarek in one of those moments, you'll see the insignia looks a little bit more traditional. Th that level of scrutiny, I don't want to get into, but... That's basically it, and it's pretty damn exciting, you know? I mean, I think the new Klingons are kind of, they're crazy looking. I'm kind of excited. I mean, they got jewels on them and new weapons. Um, I love that EVA uh, suit she's wearing. Uh, I, I like, I love, you know, we didn't really get a good look at the uh, tricorder, but I, I like the, the communicator. I like their, their beaming look. It looks really cool. Um, I dig the uniforms a lot. Uh, I, I have admitted that I'm a little bit, uh, I don't want to say underwhelmed, but I, uh, but the, the bridge of the Shenzhou is not, if, if, I, if somebody came to me and said, please, Jordan, design our ship bridge, it would not have been what I have picked. But, you know, maybe the next one will be, will be more to my liking. And also, who cares what I think? I'm just one guy. <laughs> so overall, it's pretty damn exciting. And it's going to be on CBS All Access this fall. $6 a month, for God's sakes, is not a big deal. It's the price of a Happy Meal.
you're going to get your new Star Trek for at least three months, and it's going to be great. And if you live in Canada, you can watch it on Crave. And if you live in out, uh, you know, Europe, you're going to watch it on Netflix. And to the fans, it's going to be a little different. You know, maybe your friend in Toronto is going to see the show an hour before. Like, who knows how it's going to how these shows are going to quote unquote drop. That's like, good point. Yeah, there may be some more slight miscommunications in the way this new property is distributed. So actually, I mean, is it, do we even know if, if it's going to be like dropped all at once on no, Netflix? No, it's going to be. Like it's going to be. What I'm told is it's going to be week to week. But I mean, that's something that Netflix, Netflix doesn't, doesn't do. do. That no, you're right. So I don't really know. Like maybe Europe will have to wait. Till I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the right guy to ask. But hmm. I can tell you this: there's a possibility that you, the listener, are going to be in a situation where someone on the internet has seen the new episode before you, even though you're a paying member of whatever you use, Crave, Netflix, or All Access. And what you need to do is calm down. <laughs> it's, not, it's not flip, or just, or just be yourself, and don't flip out like the guy on YouTube did, because even though he was funny, and but he was not tongue-in-cheek, he was serious. You know, it's a new thing. And listen, All Access is, 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 a, is a bold, is a new thing. It's, it's, a, it's a brave new world, uh, All Access. You know, every other channel nbc abc fox they would love to have a show like star trek that has enough of a following and is of quality enough to launch their new streaming platform they all wish they can do it only cbs can because only they have star trek in 1987 when the next generation started it was the first show to be on syndication and not a network that was major and it was, and people were, you know, it was, it was as big a deal for that as it was for this. A lot of people are too young. I mean, I was a kid. I, it didn't really mean much to me. All it meant for me was I lived in the New York area, and Next Generation would come on at a certain time. And on the weekends, when my parents would sometimes take me to my grandparents' house, and they lived outside of Philly, southern Jersey, all it meant was like, oh, crap, Next Generation is on a different time. Like, I got to get the, the paper and figure out what time, because it was syndicated. Oh, that used to be a very exciting time for me when I was a kid, like looking at the paper, trying to find out what was coming on TV. <laughs> right, in a new area. It's like, yeah. here I am. So, um, you know, in and then, you know, because other shows, other major shows of the era, what else was on in 1987? You know, Kate uh, Nally, The Fall Guy, whatever. I, I, I was six or seven, <laughs> yeah, so. Right. I mean. Whatever shows were on at the time, if it was on CBS at 8.30 on Tuesdays, it was on CBS at 8.30 on Tuesdays, no matter where the hell you lived. But for Next Generation, which blasted through all sorts of barriers and changed the way television was forever, as Star Trek tends to do, they had a new method. And they're having a new method with all access. And um, there are the pros are only Star Trek can do it, embrace it, it means that we're great. The cons are nobody likes to spend more money than they were doing the week before. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't, I, I would, I'm not going to... I don't want to spend $6 a month. It's not my not what I didn't wake up this morning saying, I want to spend $6 a month more than I was spending last month. But the rewards are there. So um, there are some people on the internet who, who are, you know, stirring up the sauce. You know, you're going to spend $6 for this show? The answer is, yeah, well, I am. The other thing, too, is, um, I mean, if you look at a show like Game of Thrones, which is the most pirated show, quote unquote, I mean, they look at that as a badge of honor. So, I mean, if people even do that, I mean, that's, that's a plus <laughs> in another way. You know, as as long as people are talking about it, happy about it, I'm happy about it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, uh, I don't pirate shows just because it's such a pain in the ass. Yeah, it, it, I don't. I, don't I have anything. very rarely there have <laughs> there was one. I had to, you know, I barely I had to do something. For something I was writing. I had to write a, a list about Steven Spielberg. I was doing a thing for Film.com, a site that doesn't exist anymore. And I had been commissioned to do an article. I was going to list the films of Steven Spielberg okay. in a rank. What's, no, you know, from 37 to 1, however many movies he's made. And I wanted to do it right. And the truth of the matter is that when I took the gig, I had never seen one of his films. Wow. I had never seen 1941, the much maligned film 1941. Which is not as bad as they say, but it sure as hell ain't good. I'd never seen it. I'd seen maybe five minutes of it on TV. And when I took the gig, I said, all right, I'm going to rent it. I want to do it right. I'm, I'm a man of, man of honor. And I went to Netflix, and it was not available. 
and I went to Amazon and I could not legally watch this movie in time for the deadline of my article. And um, I couldn't even like get off my ass and go to a store and buy it. Where am I going to buy a Birkin? I've, I've never even heard of the movie before. <laughs> it was a bigger deal. You're a little younger. It was a big deal because it had Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi in it. It's like a parody of World War II. I'm movies. even more surprised that I haven't heard of it. It's that. a weird movie. It's not that bad. And like Eddie Deason is in it. And um, it's set. It, <laughs> you know what? We'll do, when we do the Spielberg podcast, but you you, you, you should check out the trailer in 1941. Okay, I will it's, a, do that. it's a weird looking movie. It's 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 kind of it's not good, but it's it's interesting. It is a noble failure, is what it is. The point of the story is I had a, I had a torrent. It. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know this torrent thing happens. Oh, I think that's I had, what happens. Is yeah. Well, when, well, no. Let me get to the sure, ending sure. of my brilliant story here. So I call a friend who's like younger and you know more into breaking the rules than I am, and I'm like I gotta watch this movie today. I screwed up. I, I like I could have gotten it through through the mail Netflix, but I needed to watch it that day. I just assumed that it would be streamable somewhere. And I was ready to pay. Yeah. I had my five ninety nine ready. So he showed me how to torrent, and it's such a pain in the ass. I'm like, how do young people? I mean, I guess if you have no money, you do it. But it's like I would never torrent because it's such and like the first one didn't work and then it took four hours and it was ugh, it was a real complicated. Well, well it, it's gotten a lot easier. Oh, okay, it, it's really has gotten easier. And and once you once you do it once, it's it's. Very, right. I mean, I don't I don't, don't do it do anymore. It, no, I, no, I don't never. need to anymore. I mean, it's yeah. just. Uh, it, you know, when you have a job and have and things, you're like, yeah, oh, well, yeah. I'll spend five bucks. Isn't that yeah, sure? Yeah. It's only in extreme circumstances yeah. when there's no other way to get it Yeah, is when you resort to something like that. All right. That. Well, I may call you the next time. I mean, listen, <laughs> I pay for Netflix and I pay for Amazon Prime. And between, between those two, uh, there's more than enough to watch. I get HBO Go through my parents. I'll admit that. And um, I I'm, did wa- too. I'm waiting for... Um, <laughs> I'm waiting for Filmstruck to get on Roku because I use a Roku. Filmstruck is like the is like really cool. They have all the cool stuff that used to be on Hulu, all the Criterion Collection films. Okay, they have a lot of good older films that are from TCM. And Filmstruck is just you know it's only been around for about six months, and I don't want to plug my I don't want to use a what's it called um, HDMI cable into my computer and my television. It's a big pain in the ass. I want to use it through Roku. So once Filmstruck gets on there, I'll I'll pay their monthly. And you know what I'm going to pay their monthly for soon? CBS All Access. As I could I. probably get it for free because I know I know John Van Sitters. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to pay for it. Too. You hear that? You hear that, John? You listening? Did you listen through to minute 48 of this podcast? <laughs> if I'm granted, unless they get me discs early or links oh, early, of course. then I won't pay for it because <laughs> then there's no need to. But assuming that I'm watching it with the fans, I will pay for all access. I'm making a statement right here. Um, Brian, thanks for taking the time to listen to me yap about this. I think as a general rule, we're excited about uh, the new show. We don't know exactly when it's going to launch uh, this fall. We also don't know when the Orville is going to launch. That, isn't that this fall as well? This fall. You know, Star Trek fans do not feel that you need to be on one. This is not a uh, Pepsi versus Coke situation. This is a... This is a guzzle it all down. There's this new show, The Orville, which I knew nothing about. Yeah, no, this came out of nowhere. I, I saw I saw it pop up in a playlist after I watched this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so The Orville is our is Seth MacFarlane. I'm mixed on Seth MacFarlane. I like a lot of his stuff. I find uh, Family Guy, If I, I can't watch a whole episode. It gets annoying after a while. I, uh, I, I grew tired of Family Guy, but I love American Dad. Yeah, American Dad's really funny. <laughs> so, actually, uh, did you, um, The Orville, the, the redheaded guy, is Steve yeah. Smith. Oh, really? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So the Orville is um, Seth MacFarlane is doing f- uh, Galaxy Quest meets Next Generation, and that it, it, the, the the set design really looks like Next Generation, and it looks really funny, and a lot of Star Trek people are involved. John Favreau is directing the pilot, but um, uh, Robbie McNeil, as I call him now because I've met him, uh, Tom Paris is a, a big TV director and he's directing it. So that's a hoot for him. And Jonathan Frakes is directing an episode also. Yep. It's going to be hilarious for those guys. And it looks it looks like Galaxy Quest. It does, yes. And it has a huge budget. It's an hour long. It's going to be 13 episodes on Fox, on Channel 5 here in New York. And believe me, uh, Fox would have liked to have done it on a streaming service, but they can. There's no reason why you could not watch both. Believe me, we're, I'm going to love The Orville. And we'll talk about it on this show. I hope both are excellent shows. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are go- this is You know, this is a lot like DS9 Babylon 5. Good point. Then they both were successes. They both lasted a really long time, and people love both. You do not have to love one or the other. And uh, um, officially here, 
on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. We are a pro Orville group, and we will not. Um, Unless it, unless it stinks. <laughs> I have a hunch it's going to be great. That trailer, I do too, actually. That trailer looks amazing. But um, we, uh, we, uh, we are not going to focus on Orville more than Discovery, but we are going to let it into our lives and have a chuckle with it. It looks great. And, uh, and, and, and um, wouldn't, it be a, wouldn't it be a get if we could get McFarlane on the show to promote the Absolutely. Orville? I don't see why that's a bad idea. It's, no. it's all love of... Uh, the Orville is a big salute to star trek absolutely like the orville week to week is a commercial for star trek it's a reminder to go out there and when you're done watching the orville go and buy those blu-rays uh, of the next generation i think i saw an article that says they, they even say it's, it's more star trek than futurama so i mean <laughs> <laughs> yes it is it's more Star Trek than futurama for sure all right cool well listen thanks again next week um this was uh you know sort of an emergency episode we are I, i've been away you know i was in france and before that i was away but we're back now week to week on engage from now through the convention i bought my tickets today for star trek convention in las vegas i'll be out there the whole week i just bought my tickets um and i'm going to be on if you're going to the star trek las vegas convention please come say hi to me there will be a lot of opportunities to say hello because i'm going to be busy and i'm going to be recording podcasts out there with special guests those special guests include cast and crew of the shows that we love but also fans like you. So if you want to come say hi, uh, we're going to make that happen. Also, you remember weeks past, Brian, we had um, when we had uh, Iris Stephen Bear and Adam Nimoy on the show, yes. and some people bid on their Indiegogo. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, I have. We're going to get those guests on in the next few weeks. Oh, that sounds great. I have all their email addresses. I've been meaning to write to them. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote one of them. Wrote to me and I'm like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, I know, I know, I know. I've been really busy. So if you're one of the three or maybe four winners, I don't remember how many, I have your email addresses. I will be emailing you this week. We're going to dial you in. One of them is based in New York. Maybe he'll come by. I don't know. We can see. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. Next week, we have our On the Road segment where we're going upstate New York. Thanks again for listening to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at at Jay Hoffman. That's me. You can go to the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Engage the official Star Trek podcast. You can watch the trailer to Star Trek Discovery over and over again on YouTube. And um, I guess that's it. Go and you're going to see Wonder Woman soon. Next time we talk, we'll talk about Wonder Woman a little bit. Chris oh, Pine, great. handsome man, very, very handsome man, and he is the. You know, I was on the plane back from France yesterday, literally yesterday, and um, I uh, Star Trek Beyond was one of the on delta you could watch it okay and um the screen i had was blurry like it looked like if you take your glasses off that's what it looked like okay and the screen to my left was not blurry like i got hit with a bad screen basically Ah. even with the blurry bad screen on my uh seat i watched star trek beyond (laughs) that's how good it is i just listened to it and watched the shapes that sort of look like <laughs> Jayla and Keenzer and, and Scotty. It's so great. I love Star Trek Beyond so much. It's so wonderful. All right, so that's what's going on. We'll see you next week. Until then, live long and prosper. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.